Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast, uh, presented as always by Drift Car Sharing. Uh, I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Uh, if, if you've never listened to this before and you don't know that, then not gonna lie, this is a weird time to start. Not sure who wants to get more invested in this football team after seeing what the last couple of weeks have looked like. And we're gonna talk all about that loss to uh, Washington State tonight in Pullman. In a minute, but first I'm going to tell you just a little bit more about Drift Car Sharing. Uh, basically, you park your car at their lot, and then they rent it out. And so this is their lot is near the airport, and uh, you just, like, on your way to the airport, drop your car off, they'll rent it, and then you make money. Uh, so, so it's a pretty great deal. You should definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, they clean it. They insure it. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, wish we could talk more about that instead of this football game, but we don't really have a choice. So, where do we start? Um, no, first of all, the game obviously sucked, but it was a, a good time here. I'm, I'm at the Blake Street Tavern still. I found a quiet room where all of the TVs are turned off so that I don't have to think too much about football at this point because I'm a, I'm a little burned out after these last few hours. Um, got to hang out with, uh, J-Rod, who you guys know, uh, Ben Burrows, uh, who you guys should definitely know, uh, had a blast, uh, saw a couple other subscribers as well, uh, we had a good time, we had a good time, but the football game, again, not good, and we were talking about this before, like, how do you start it, and we were playing, like, this whole game the entire way through, not really a game, because it wasn't all that fun, it was kind of just depressing, games are fun, uh, I guess that was actually a football game, so maybe that's wrong. But we were we were talking about the alternate universe where all the bad things don't happen to Colorado. You know, James Stefano doesn't miss a field goal and then miss another field goal, and Montez doesn't, you know, miss a guy open in the end zone. He doesn't throw the third down pick instead of taking the field goal. And the whole way through, we're kind of keeping track of those points that are adding up. And it's a whole lot of points. It's, I can't remember what it ended up being, like 19 maybe, that we thought were like, yeah, pretty reasonable. And so throughout the game, it was like, yeah, sure, it's a two-score game. But if you factor those in, I mean, the Buffs actually took a lead there for a minute, I think. Maybe. That could be wrong. But that's kind of how that game went. We were talking about all those different ways that you could look at it that make it feel better like 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 they could win that game like they were able to win that game and you know they are they're capable they're talented uh most teams don't play like their best all the time 
those things though when they add up they are so frustrating uh the bad decision the terrible throw <laughs> terrible throw uh from steven montez on uh his first interception do we need to get let's let's talk a little bit about it um here's what happened he stared down a receiver and that meant that while he was watching the receiver across the middle of the field he saw that he was passing the defender who was covering him what he didn't see because he never looked to the right side of the field where the wide receiver was running was that there was a defensive back who was kind of cheating up a bit getting ready to jump that pass if he threw it if he had just peeked to that side just peeked like like you just look to see what the receiver's doing over there he he would have seen the defender he probably would not have made that throw and again different game alternate universe who knows but that's i mean obviously the knock on him is that he's a guy who stares down receivers and and we've seen him not do that we've seen steps this season times when he has looked good i mean there was one tonight but but the problem is when he did it tonight it was something we all noticed at the table it's like oh wow Steven just stood strong in that pocket. He stepped up in that pocket. He was looking around the field. He found a guy. You know, and, and that can't be the outlier. When you look at back at his good games, that, that, those plays aren't the outlier. That's just what he did because that's his job. Frustrating, frustrating game. The, the point of this whole story, though, is that even with those uh, alternate universe points that we were adding up, Colorado wouldn't have won that game. Um, and there are a bunch of different ways you can take that. You can make it could make you feel better. It, it, I maybe I doubt it to know that Colorado just wasn't as good, even though they did make the dumb mistakes. Um, could make you feel worse for whatever reason. I don't know. I mean, those games just wear on you. But the the point is, that's not how it all works. You know, you, you, we keep looking, or at least I do, and. You know, I I have been a little bit higher on this team, a little more flowery about this team. I've looked at games like this as the outliers and not like the norm. And that's the wrong approach because at this point, especially after the way the last few weeks have gone, these games kind of have become the norm. At this point, beating Nebraska, beating Arizona State, when Arizona's ranked, Arizona State is ranked on the road, the that feels like the alternate universe like thinking back to what that was like what those post-game podcasts were like what hanging out at blake street tavern and watching those games was like it's different it, it doesn't feel real this feels like the buffs reality uh that feels like the alternate universe and i think that that's kind of the transition that's happened where you know this that's that's just the dream that you have early in the season you have the success you see what they can be when they're at their best and and then you see the flashes you know they don't start hot they they can't cover downfield they whatever it is they, they can't do anything in a couple of these games and and you look at those and it's kind of just like yeah the normal is just like the day-to-day that's just some sort of nightmare whereas now Everything just kind of sucks during the daytime when everything's real, and then you just have these dreams that are Nebraska, Colorado State even looking back. What a blast that was. The Mel hype. I mean, now it's a 3-4 and four football team, and obviously the 
they when you're looking at how good a football team is who knows what good even means but if if you were just to start ranking all the football teams like they actually do now that i think of it you you wouldn't you you don't focus just on the highs you don't focus just on the lows it's whatever they are in the middle and that's what this team is and and that's what you have to remember is that it's pretty dark right now uh that was a winnable game it was a very important game and colorado did nothing uh did nothing to help themselves uh was uh, nothing. LaVisca looked good. That that was better. But even not great. He was, I mean, for, for his standards, not great. Right now, it feels like the, the winning is just not possible. Like, this is a team that just isn't capable, that isn't good enough. But remember, we've seen that they are. That isn't just gone. And when they do start winning, if they do start winning, you know, the season's kind of flying by at this point seven done five to go just crazy to think about uh if they do get hot and we do get all this hype back and we are start talking about melon shorts whatever's going on you know all that kind of stuff just being super pumped about it you know again that that's also not real that's not what it is it's just about finding that balance that people seem to be missing for good reason like the, the point of sports is that it's fun when you buy in if you're just sitting there watching football, don't know anything about it, don't care about it at all, you're, you're not going to enjoy it. You're just going to be like, what is this? And I know because I've tried to get people to do it with me. I mean, I guess I would enjoy I guess, I don't know, knowing football helps. But just the way all the plays are designed, I love it. Uh, the point is we're all invested in different ways. Um I'm sure this loss is hitting all of you a lot harder than it's hitting me. Like for me, you know, I, I, I like when the buffs win, you know, I, I, I would definitely prefer that the buffs win. And, and I like seeing the guys on that team who I, I, I get along with people who I've gotten to know a little bit, you know, I like seeing them be happy and that's kind of my investment. You guys have made this your life like, if you guys are listening to this podcast, then this is a deep connection for you, and it'll be worth it. It'll it'll be worth it eventually. It's just that there are the highs and the lows. As as terrible as it feels, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure at some point it'll come around. It's just whether that's the end of this year, whether that's next week, whether it's three years, whether it's twenty. I don't know. It's kind of a dire time. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that that kind of sums up the whole emotional aspect of all of this. Uh, we should definitely talk more specifically about the football players. I don't know. I, let's actually get Montez done before we move on to the next segment. Because I, I think that he in particular may have more of an emotional impact on these discussions than he does a uh, technical, you know, how does this actually work? How does he fit um, reaction? You know, it's, uh, he's, he's in people's hearts now more than their brains, I think. Uh, not to say that if you're really upset with Steven that you're wrong. You, you have to be, I mean, fifth year starter, he can play better. And that's the frustrating part is that we've seen him play better. We've seen him play 
within himself, just doing everything he's taught to do, stepping up in the pocket, making his reads, delivering the ball. And then there you go. And then sometimes you get chased out. You got to make a play. You can do that too. That ball to Katie Nixon when he rolled out, pretty good. I mean, that was a that was a great pass. He's on the run, puts in the right spot. Katie obviously doesn't handle it, but, you know, it's just where we are. Here's the thing about benching Steven. It just doesn't make sense. You know, what happened when he got benched? Well... First of all, Tyler Lytle, the backup. But you'll remember that going into the season, there was an or between Lytle and Stenstrom. Lytle was listed above Stenstrom on the depth chart, but but that was not supposed to mean anything. Like I definitely read a little bit into his name being there first, but that's probably wrong. I, they're they're similar players, or at least they were at that point. Um, so I, I think that that's important to recognize. And I think people forget that there was an or there. there it, it was a question mark starting the season, who the number two was. Um, and so the fact that we didn't get to see Lytle, and he, I mean, he probably would have played better than Stenstrom did for a bunch of reasons, because he's been in that situation before at the, at the very least. He, he's probably closer to what Stenstrom was than to what Montez is. I mean, Stenstrom was still probably better than Montez if, you, if you're just, like, talking about this one game. But going forward, that's not how it works. Like, Stenstrom, he's young. Uh, yeah, okay, so there, there's all that. You saw what happened. Um, I don't think that you can justify benching Steven at all um, in, in terms of as your starting quarterback. Within a game, sure, we can have that argument. Uh, when does that happen? They probably took him out too late against Oregon. I think that they timed it about right against Washington State. You know, were they down? They they kept him in when they were down three touchdowns. So three touchdowns, whatever it was, eight minutes. They they wanted to give him a chance. Nine minutes, something like that. There you go. Uh, if if he's your best chance of winning, you put him on the field. And as soon as the chance of winning does not change between him and somebody who you can get a look at, that's when you go get a look at a guy. Um, and that's when the odds are at zero, pretty much. Um, Stenstrom, though, Lytle, it, it would be valuable to see them. Uh, I think I've said before that I think if, if I were ranking uh, the, the probabilities going forward, I would say that it's probably a grad transfer or some sort of transfer quarterback is most likely to be the next starter at Colorado. Uh, second is probably Brendan Lewis, the freshman. And then third is Lytle or Stenstrom stepping up and taking, taking that job. It's a lot tougher for me to make those judgments because I know open practices. We don't get to see what those guys are. The one open practice, it was pretty ugly. Montez didn't play all that well either. Uh, and, and so that's what we're working off of. We're working off of that, the spring game, kind of like the reputation that these guys have. And obviously I, I get, and a lot of you do too, we all have our own insights. We all know people who know things, and it just happens to be that my job is to like get to know them. And from what I've heard is like that, that same thing. Like it's, it's, just not, it's just not ready. Like it, it's going to take time, and we'll see what happens. Um, so there we go. 
that's that's where that quarterback situation stands in my mind. Montez is the guy. It'd be good to see something because, you know, they're they're going to get to see camp. They're going to get to see what's on tape. Um, camp. It'll be level playing field, and and I don't think anybody necessarily gets an advantage or a disadvantage by getting to play this season, uh, getting these late game reps in these situations. But if you play well, that helps, and if you don't play well, that hurts. Um, it's a gamble. If you're a good quarterback, then it's a good thing. If you're a bad quarterback, it's a bad thing. Uh, for the Buffs, though, you want to learn as much as you can. And, uh, you know, I, they didn't take advantage of that opportunity against Oregon. I think that they timed it pretty well against Washington State. If you think differently, I think that that's really fair. Um, because even though you could see how an explosive offense like we've seen Colorado's uh, be this season, you could see how they could put up the three touchdowns they need in that time frame. You, you still have to factor in that they, they weren't that tonight and expecting the f- switch to just flip right there. Maybe a stretch. I don't know. Bunch of different theories. No, None of them right. None of them wrong. But... I guess in the end, some are better than others because some teams end up winning, some teams end up losing. Um, that's my my whole take on the situation. I Steven's the guy. And it's his senior year, and next year he won't be the guy. For those of you who are sick of him, don't worry about it. He's 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 got five games left. Um, for those of you who are like me, who like Steven who like the way he uh the way he plays when he is on his game and believe that he can be that you know 80% of the time instead of 60% of the time I don't know what the percentages are somebody asked Matt Cisneros um you know that's kind of disappointing to see him leave maybe not I mean it, disappointing in the fact that you thought that he could do more and seeing him leave without ever hitting that level, it just sucks. It just sucks because you cheer for the kid and, I mean, kid, he's a fifth-year senior and I just graduated in four years. We're the same age. Um, you you wish you could have seen him pull it together. You really do. Um, and for me, that that's the part that outweighs the frustration. And again, because I'm in a different position where, honestly, like I said, I almost feel like I'm cheering for the players more than I'm cheering for the team. Like, they all are on the same team, though, so you know how that works. But for those of you who have just been, like, bleeding black and gold for years and years and years and you've had players you like, players you don't like, and and some guys really stick out to you, like, I I see where that comes from. Um, That's what being a sports fan is, it turns out. (sighs) I think that that's probably enough Steven Montez talk. We all saw it. Uh, Run through the stat line, 16 to 30, 129 yards. Two interceptions. Uh, in case you, for some reason, didn't watch the game but are still interested in a podcast like this one, um, or if you just turned it off, Montez was pulled. Uh, Tyler Lytle comes in off the bench uh, to, to take the next stab at it. And on the first play, he's hit, grabs his shoulder, and that's it for him for the day. Um, on the very next play... Uh, Stenstrom, Blake Stenstrom, the freshman, steps in and gets some happy feet, throws a, a pretty ugly interception. 
So, I don't know. Could have been fun. Could have been exciting. You know, it's it's always fun, I think, to see these younger guys play. And I'm excited to go back and watch the tape because there's going to be a lot of content from this game. Even if uh, it didn't break the right way and a lot of these guys lost their individual battles, even just going back and seeing where all these young guys are lining up, that's information because people are seeing the field who typically do not see the field. Huh. <sighs> I, th I think that we're into this podcast now. I think that that's a good first segment. I think we're all, I don't know, working together on how to make this feel better. Um, Breckenridge Brewery is just the best. I didn't have any Breckenridge beers today, but, but I, I wish that I had. I, I said on Twitter earlier I'm not actually like an emotional drinker. Uh, I'm an emotional eater, and I'm here at Blake Street Tavern, and I'm going to get this finished up and get some food and uh, write a story, and I'm pretty excited about all of that, uh, especially the food. But um, Breckenridge Brewery, <laughs> we'll jump back to that. Uh, very good beer. The Vanilla Porter, the Oatmeal Stout. I had a bunch of friends in town this week. Uh, we had some fun. Um they love the strawberry sky. Uh, they they couldn't believe it because I don't just tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery and I don't just tell Twitter about it. I actually tell pretty much everybody I know how much I like this beer. And I do it the same way I do it here where it sounds kind of fake because I'm just a naturally high energy person. And so when I mean things genuinely, sometimes the energy just makes it sound like I'm way over hyping it, but no, it really is that good. And they agreed and they thought that I was just doing that thing that I tend to do. So that's Breckenridge Brewery. If you want to check out their beer, come to one of our watch parties or our tailgates or something and drink some, or you can use the beer locator on their website and it will tell you where you can get whichever beer you want to try. And that beer is the strawberry sky. I need to rhyme more on this podcast, especially after a loss. I think that'd cheer us all up. Um, another great option, another place uh, you could pick up a a uh, case of Breckenridge beer. Is I don't know why I got the hiccups. I've been drinking water, and I'm not going to go back and cut this out. I feel like keeping this like just a one-taker all the way through for the post-game podcast just makes it feel right you know otherwise because it's kind of an emotional roller coaster i'm mostly just talking through all of my thoughts and all of my feelings as they occur and as soon as you miss a little piece or have to jump back the energy might change a bit don't get that natural flow uh so here we are and i'm gonna stop talking about that because that's not interesting at all point is total bev you can get 30 percent off your purchase of 25 dollars or more it's great beer you should definitely check it out great beer uh they have great beer we stocked up i got a bottle of ciroc because lil wayne raps about it and i wanted to impress my friends um but i got it for the same price that uh that i could get a worse bottle of vodka and to be honest could not taste the difference in fact my, i may have actually liked the cheaper vodka better so, for those of you who have more of a developed taste for alcohol and aren't actually children on the inside, um, you can use this to buy better alcohol for the same price as your bad alcohol, or you can get your bad alcohol for a, a very little money. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those uh, choose-your-own-adventure books. Like, that's kind of where you start. Like, oh, 
This massive warehouse. First, you gotta like pick. I, this is weird. Uh, first, you gotta like pick what you want, and then you're like, ah, oh, which section? Like the expensive, and then you gotta go all the way through. They have CBD. They uh, they have a bunch of different things. Thirty percent off your purchase of twenty five dollars or more. Um, they 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 will deliver anywhere from Lakewood to Boulder, uh, Aurora to Brighton. Um, check them out. It's super convenient. Okay, uh, back to football. LaVisca Chenault was out there quite a bit tonight. Uh, okay, I just came up with a game plan. I have a great transition for you guys. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, he has kind of been absent for quite a while, for a, what feels like a very long time. You know, I, th- I think he only has one 100-yard receiving game this season. Uh, put up 140, looked great. But it's almost like they've been half using him. They've been scared of injury. They've been scared that he's still coming back from injury. Whatever it is, maybe the coaching staff is still learning how to use him. Uh, you know, that's that's what it's felt like. It's just this timidness that makes him not himself because he's he's kind of a high-volume guy, and that's what we're seeing. Sure, you can throw those deep balls to him, and he can make plays on the ball, but that isn't that I don't know that that is his strength. It's getting the ball in his hands and letting him work in space. And that doesn't really work when you do it two, three times a game. Because when you do it two, three times a game, the odds that one of those are actually going to go for 20, 30, 40, whatever, however many yards, a touchdown, whatever, it's slim. You have to give him those opportunities before one of them pays off. And I think we've started to see that more this week. Maybe he's feeling better, and that's why. Maybe the coaching staff is just less scared of losing. Who knows? Who knows? But I I think that that was a really good sign. Uh, One thing that I didn't like is when they put him in the Wildcat uh, on a second and 10 in the red zone, and he did what he always does. He picked up three, four yards. Uh, I mean, he's broken them before, of course, but that's what you expect from that play. Three, four yards, which means it's going to be third and six, third and seven. turned out this time it was third and seven, but because LaVisca was running the ball on that play, he he had to come out for the third down play, which is a passing play, which is where you actually really need to have your best receivers out there because that, you know, high leverage moments, like throwing your closer out early because something's important. Like, like that's just, just frustrating. It's just frustrating. Um, and again, maybe that's this thing where that's the next step for this coaching staff is thinking about those types of things. You'd wish that that was a pretty obvious, you know, looking back, second and 10, what is going to happen? What do you expect to happen? You expect him to pick up four yards. You expect it to be third and medium to long. And you know that LaVisca is going to have to sit out a play because he's worn out. That's the way that rotation works. So he's not going to be on the field for the high leverage situation. Just a little chess match that the Buffs lost. And I think that there were a lot of those, not just with the coaching, but all over, all over. And, and that stuff gets frustrating. Uh, lots of complaints about the play calling. We don't need to dig too deep into that. You guys saw it. They were running the ball well, which factors in even more into that conversation. Why do you need LaVisca to be the one who's going to run that play? 
Sure, it's a fun look. Sure, it makes it a little unpredictable. Uh, you, you give them some different things to think about than you have for most of the drive. Maybe you catch them off guard. Maybe they thought it was a home run play, but that would really surprise me. It's a four-yard gain play. If you're already running the ball well, if there's a good chance you're going to pick up those four yards just by pounding it with Alex Fontenot, who played incredibly well. Shout out to that guy. Hey, there's your highlight. There's your highlight. It's Alex Fontenot, I think, again, making guys miss. Um, yeah, I, th I think that that's probably my biggest highlight was the way that Alex Fontenot played tonight, which is a good sign. Again, only a sophomore. Uh, but if you're if you're pounding it with him and Jaron Mangum and Deion Smith got there a little bit late, didn't do much, didn't get many opportunities. Offensive line, let those guys buy him pretty quick. If you can do this, though, and I've started this sentence a few times, if, if you could just run the ball and pick up those four yards without making LaVisca do it, then why do you make LaVisca do it? And I know I was saying he's like a high-volume guy. you got to give him chances, but those aren't the high-percentage chances. It's him in open field, not him not pounding the rock up the middle. <sighs> even if it's worse, even if you pick up two yards instead of four, would you rather have a third and six with LaVisca on the sideline or a third and eight with him on the field? I'd put him on the field. Uh, third and 10 instead of third and seven, which is what it actually was, a third and seven, saying that instead of running that play, you just spike the ball and LaVisca stays out there. I would be very – I would do it. I would do it straight up. Um, you'll remember that on that play afterward, that third down play, when LaVisca was on the sideline, uh, Steven Montez threw a second interception of the game which was a ball that he lobbed up to Tony Brown. Uh, who, Who's your lob guy? Who's your lob guy? Uh, it's just frustrating stuff like that. And, and I would love to hear what they have to say. And it's, there are parts of missing these games that I, I like and parts that I don't like. There's a lot more that I don't like. Um, because, first of all, who doesn't want to go check out a new city a couple states away? Uh, then you get to go watch football. You get to like, go hang out. Like I, I live a pretty pretty great life. Uh, those, those trips are a lot of fun. There are parts that are tough, all of the traveling, all of like getting things prepared, all that kind of stuff. And maybe it comes close to balancing out. I don't really know. I don't spend too much time thinking of it. It's just my job. Uh, but one of the things that I really hate about not being there is not being able to ask these questions because I am certain that something that I've said in the last five minutes is something that, you know, Jay Johnson, Tyson Summers would just say like, actually, no, you're, you're off there and you're off for this reason. And I don't get the opportunity to ask them to talk about it and hear what they saw, hear what Mel Tucker saw, hear what Steven Montez was thinking when he lobbed that ball up to Tony Brown. Maybe he was told to do that. Maybe somebody said, maybe one of the coaches said, you know what, we need a touchdown, give somebody a chance. Again, why is LaVisca Chenault not that man? Why is he on the sideline? Because of a little bit of poor planning. But I don't know. It's concerning. It's definitely concerning. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. I'd also be lying if I said that I didn't think Jay Johnson, that's a double negative. I think I followed it correctly. Jay Johnson and Tyson Summers are good at their jobs. There you go. Uh, that's that's the sentence that without the double negative, um, maybe not great at their jobs. I mean, maybe even good. Maybe they're average. Maybe they're a little below average. It's kind of tough to tell, just based on that. You can look at how the team is performing, 
And I think that that's a lot of their job. But you also have to remember what they have to work with. Engaging that is tough to do because we don't get to see them run another system. We don't get to see whether they could learn it quickly. And just knowing what you're doing is more important than having something super complicated. I don't know. But I, I, I do still think that they're the right guys for these jobs. I, I think that they're back next year. And I think that they're, they're definitely going to get some pushback from the fans. I think there are a lot of people who would like to see them replaced. Right now, I think that that would be the right call, keeping them around. Um, again, five weeks left. Here's another one of my takes for you, though, because that's what this hour is supposed to be. Um, do we have more LaVisca talk? I think that that covers it. He looked good. He looked like himself. He broke tackles. He caught the ball. There was the one deep ball into the end zone that I would have liked to have seen him get to. Um, but he does the thing, and, and it's the same thing that Taylor Korniak does from the soccer team. Ooh, I'll tell a joke later. Uh, not a joke joke. This is weird. Uh, but, but, but when they're running, both Taylor and LaVisca, it doesn't look like they're sprinting. And so w- when you look at that play where LaVisca is open deep, he has two steps on his defender probably. The ball is just out of his reach in the end zone. Uh, from a long ways out, it's a tough throw. When you first see it, it looks like he isn't running as fast as he can, like he's slowed up. And then you watch it again, you're like, oh no, he's actually moving. It doesn't look like he changed anything, and he's still gaining ground on that defender. So yeah, my take on that initially was off. I don't think I tweeted or anything. No, I definitely wouldn't. I did not tweet that. Um, But yeah, Taylor's the same way. Maybe it's just like those long people, long legs, long limbs, where it just because their feet aren't super fast. I mean, KD Nixon being the the other example. KD, you, you see him try to bring in that ball on the sideline deep downfield when Steven made a great play to put it where he did after everything that broke down. Um, props to him for that. Can't just shred him. There were definitely a lot more plays that were bad than were good, and it might be 25-5 when you're looking at these passing attempts. I don't really know. That was a good throw, and watching it, KD Nixon brings it in, but his feet are moving so fast that you just can't even tell what's going on down there. And it makes him look really fast. Whereas LaVisca has those long strides, so it almost looks like he's jogging. Weird tangent, but here we are. Um, yeah, LaVisca looked good. I think the biggest thing, you know, I talked to KD after that Oregon game, and he said, you know, I, I actually asked KD, I was like, can you feel the difference with LaVisca out there? Uh, because he'd missed the games before. And Katie said, you know, I love him, and I'm so happy that he's back. And that's how he started it. And, and But then he said, but no, I mean, we go out there, we play our game, and, you know, I don't feel anything different uh, with him out there, which is not at all what you want to hear because Katie should feel like he's running wide open all over that field for the entire game, because LaVisca's drawing all the attention. But you only draw the attention if you take advantage of the one-on-ones every single time that you have them, because that is your best matchup on the field. LaVisca one-on-one against anybody in the country is your best matchup. It's a big, it's a big corner. Let, let LaVisca you know, run around him. Let him make some moves. He can get open. He can still box him out. He's a big guy. He's a strong guy. Got a small corner on him? Well, then, obviously, you just use his size. He, he he is a good matchup, your best matchup against anybody, one-on-one. And there were so many times this season when they ignored that. 
when he was one-on-one, and I almost think that the thought process was, well, we can't make him touch the ball 25 times a game, and you can't, but but it has to be because they stop you from doing it. And you're not making them stop you when you aren't taking advantage of the matchups that they're giving you. Make them double-team him, and then you distribute it to other places. And then they start covering those other places, and he comes open because they have to give him a single cover look at some point to balance things out for whatever reason. And then you do it again. And and that's what we finally saw tonight. So, you know, the, the, the play calling in a bunch of spots I didn't like, but I like getting the ball to Visca because that's how this offense runs. That's how you get these great matchups all over the field when you get the ball to LaVisca early because they aren't respecting him nearly enough. They aren't going to respect him if you aren't using him. So, so when he does have that matchup, you get him the ball. And it's going to be really effective, and they're going to have to bring a second guy and... And, and you're going to have open receivers, and that's when the, your, your best option changes. It changes to somebody else on the other side of the field, and that's when they end up with the ball more often than Visca does. Ugh. Uh, yeah, so there's some takes there. Uh, the point is tonight, they, uh, they did that. He got the ball early, and it worked, and eventually got more attention. He was getting beat up. And that's when you want to see them move on to other spots on the field. And you saw a little bit of it. You saw the running game. Um, just not not enough. Didn't work out. I do like that that one piece of the game plan seems to be solved. I think I've said that on the show a couple times, that you have to be using your best matchup every play. And that forces them to spread themselves in weird places and open things up. That's the whole game. That's what, that's what an adjustment is. It's taking advantage of the best situation you can find on the field. And then the defense adjusts by taking over that. And then all of a sudden they have another hole and you go after that and it's just this back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes it doesn't feel like Colorado is quite there, which is is kind of a strange subject, like to really figure out exactly why that is. Because um, there are a bunch of factors. You know, Mel Tucker's halftime adjustments. Have you heard about those? Uh, very good early in the season. Very obvious early in the season. You could tell what he was doing. Um, I think that he's getting just a little bit too much hate for the defensive adjustments over the last few weeks. Um, the Arizona game, they say, well, why did they get so much worse in the second half? Because that's when Arizona really started to beat them on that defense. You know, Obviously, they'd built the lead up and all that stuff before then, but they built it through kind of fluky plays and that kind of thing. Like, there wasn't anything particular where you're like, oh. But then the second half, everything changes. Uh, I don't know. I, I We don't need to go down the Arizona road. We've been there. Let's move on. But I, I don't hate on the halftime adjustments there, and I definitely see what he's done a little bit since. It does make me wonder, though, if you you see the halftime adjustments work better because – it's a team of young players who need more time for all of it to sink in. You can't do it quickly on the sideline. Um, you, you can't just all of a sudden switch something up and have people do it well. And maybe they're trying, and maybe that's what these blown coverages and big plays they're giving up are when they are trying to do those things. Um, so it could, be, it could be on the players for not being able to pick up on the adjustments. could also be on the coaches for not being able to explain the adjustments. It could be on the coaches for the scheme. For, for having a, a, a very complicated scheme with very complicated adjustments that make them less likely to work. So many, so many things could be going on there. But again, like I said, the point is it's not going well. Um, 
for whatever reason. And we like to assign, assign blame for sure, like from the outside, because I don't know. It's it's like, oh, there's we found the box that needs to be checked. Now we go out and get a guy who can fill it. Mel always says, and all coaches say, like, that's not how they think of things. They don't go back and look in hindsight and do this. They just know, here's who we have. Here's what we have to piece together. Here's where we can improve and build, and here's what we need to do. And now we're going to go out here and do it. Like, we are building a game plan, and we are learning that game plan. And it might help if we've done similar game plans. Like, we might pull from past knowledge. Um, we might remember a play where we got beat, but this is a whole new game plan we're learning. We're figuring out how to beat this football team. We're coming up with a with with a scheme. They aren't looking back and saying, "Oh, it doesn't look like Steven Montez can uh, be the guy for you. We should probably bench him." They're, like that is just so far. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Um, and, and Mel can explain it a lot better than I have, even though he said it a few times. He said it in Oregon. He said, you know, I get that your job is to go back and second guess. That's not ours. Our job is to go win football games. And there's definitely a balance there, learning from mistakes, all that kind of stuff. But the 24-hour rule, learn it quick, move on, because you have a lot more to learn about your opponent than you do about yourselves. Because I bet the problems, I mean, Mel said last week, the problems that came up last week, none of them were surprising. It was just all the same things that have been hurting this team for quite a while <sighs> and and Oregon's just good enough that they made all of them look worse uh and tonight what was really a surprise maybe Steven Montez played worse than we expected uh thanks Matt for uh reminding everybody that the bounce back thing isn't real <sighs> we could have been really upset if if we expected the bounce back uh I wonder, does that is that just like the final nail in that coffin? Are we done with that narrative? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where my thought process is, though. Like, they know what their flaws are. They don't need to go back and learn what their flaws are. They know, and they're trying to build around them, and now it's about learning how to beat another football team. Okay, uh, again, a pretty long segment there, so we're going to skip ahead to talk about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has changed lives. Uh, no matter what you need CBD for, it's non-psychoactive. You're not going to get high. It's, it's like natural. It's safe. It, it, it can help you with a bunch of different things that you could want it to help you with. You know, it's anxiety, depression, or physical pain, like back pain, arthritis. Uh, it's worth a try. It's helped a lot of people. It's helped people who didn't expect it to work for them, who didn't even try it to fix whatever it ended up helping with. Um, also, it's coffee, and everybody needs to drink coffee. And you can at least get this coffee for cheaper if that's the only reason you're interested in it. Uh, use the code BSN2019 at checkout, and they'll ship it straight to your door and it'll be 20% off. It's a pretty great deal. BSN 2019, 20% off. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee. There we go. Uh, all right, back in. Uh, so there's the offense. I think we pretty much have that covered. Running game looked good. I haven't looked up these full numbers, but what is this? 105 for Alex Fontenot on 11 carries. Okay, so that, that jumps out to you real quick. I would have guessed he had like 15. I knew he had the 105. There you go. Pretty good. Uh, Jaron Mangum, eight carries, 42 yards, so not quite the 9.5 yards per carry average from Alex Fontenot. Mangum has the 5.2. Uh, 
Uh, LaVisca, 16 yards on three carries. Uh, Tony Brown, 14 yards on two carries. 13 yards on four carries for Joe Davis. Uh, we can add those all up. Deion Smith finishes with four carries, negative one yards. Negative one yard? I think it's singular. Uh, what is that, though? That's 105, 147, uh, 173 ish. It doesn't matter. Yes, that makes sense. Um, they were up pretty close to, they were probably up over 200 rushing yards. And that's the first time they've done that since uh, the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, when they put up 240-something on on uh, the Rams, obviously, who they always play there. Yeah, uh, it's been trending this direction. I tweeted it out today. If you read the five, th- no, I think it was three questions going into this week's matchup. If you're a subscriber of my preview series, uh, you, you also saw that I put that stat in there. Um, I can't pull it up, but I'm trying to do this whole thing live. Uh, service is kind of bad. Point is, they, they ran for something like 80-something yards in week two, 100-something, uh, 120-something, then 130-something, So they've just been slowly building, and this is a continuation of that trend. They're, they're figuring out how to run the football. Uh, why do they not commit to it more? I think that's valid. Part of the reason is they... Two parts. We're gonna we're gonna go with two parts for the reason. First of all, they were down in the game, and they were down pretty big, and they needed to save time. Did they find the balance between pass and run based on the circumstances perfectly? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, they lost the game by a lot of points. Forty-one ten. Have I even said that? Let's not say it again. Um, yeah. So so. So that makes it tough because if you can go down the field and score in three minutes, then that's great. If you can do it in one minute, then that is massive. And so you do have to factor in that it isn't just whether you score on the drive. It's how quickly you score on the drive, which is a bad situation to put yourself in when you want to run the football, when that seems to be your strength. But they did it to themselves. And I still think that they overthrew just a little bit. I I think a lot of you do as well. Uh, In the red zone, run the football. I, I, until they can stop you, I think that that's got to be what every team is thinking. Okay, um, so that was the first part. The second part is, I mean, you have LaVisca, Chenault, and Katie Nixon, and Tony Brown, um, and Jalen Jackson, and Brady Russell, and Alex Fontenot can catch passes as well as run. Uh, caught two for five yards, by the way. You know, that's you just have so many weapons out there that you feel like you should get them the ball because they have good matchups too. They should still be an effective passing offense, and they probably would have been if Steven Montez had been what he was against Arizona State. Maybe they win that football game. I don't know. That's not how the world works. That is 100% not what Mel Tucker is thinking about. Mel Tucker is not sitting on that plane thinking, oh, I wonder, if Steven Montez had played like he did against Arizona State, do we win that game? What about Air Force? What kind of odds does he give us to win? You know, is is it better if if we have an 80% Montez or 100% Lytle? Because sometimes, like, that's, that's going to be the average, the 80%. You know, we can go through all these hypotheticals and figure out all that kind of stuff. What Mel Tucker knows is Steven Montez is the best quarterback on that team, and he's the guy, and it's not worth spending any time on if you're him. That's the whole hindsight thing. That's what he's talking about. 
I think I explained that a lot better right there. Uh, hopefully. Felt like it. Um, but but that's the point. He, he's not wasting time on that. He's thinking, how do I use Steven Montez to go win a football game Friday night against USC? A tough opponent, although at home. You know, and, and that's that's that coaching player whatever mindset. Like people who are really involved versus us who... You know, I, I could just go through and rank all the quarterbacks and people would love it. Um, if you you release a list of ranking the Pac-12 quarterbacks, like you're going to get clicks for that. And not that that's what we're all here for, but, you know, it's it's one of the many things like that's, I don't know. People on the outside just have different interests than people on the inside. And, you know, I've brought some football nerdism to this podcast and I hope you guys have appreciated that. Um because I get into that too, and so we try to get more into what they talk about as well. But again, we our minds are just in different places than theirs are. It's like a weird thing. Okay, so I said like 10 minutes ago that I was going to talk about the defense, and I still haven't. Uh, and we're going to do that now. There was a bit of a pass rush. Uh, they made things kind of difficult for Anthony Gordon. Not like super difficult, but they've done as well as I think pretty much any other team probably has having not watched their games just going through the stats knowing that you know he had been sacked six times all season that's once a game he was sacked once tonight that's pretty average it felt like there were some hurries there too so so there you go Mustafa Johnson back obviously helps still have Jalen Sammy not much of a pass rusher but he would help close things up we talked a lot about that air raid and uh they threw fewer passes than they have recently. Max Borgie ran the ball 12 times, 105 yards, 8.8 yards per carry. He was kind of unstoppable. Not quite as unstoppable as Alex Fontenot, as it turns out, as the score would not suggest. Uh, Anthony Gordon, 35 of 51, 369 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. A great play from Darian Rakestraw. Uh, when they wanted to pass the ball, they passed the ball. When they wanted to run the ball, they ran the ball. I don't know how much deeper we need to go than any of that. A couple great plays by Nate Landman. We do need to mention that. You know, I think I've been, I don't know, I've, I've been hard on Nate. Uh, and I have been for quite a while. You'll remember before the season, I was taking some heat for saying that he isn't a good cover linebacker. Like, we were getting those pro football focus. He's, he is, like, look at these numbers. And then I got in that pro football focus debate saying, like, eh, yeah, but also he didn't play third downs and he was protected. And now this feels like I'm just trying to tell you all I was right. And so I'm trying to talk fast so it will end sooner because that's not what I meant. But I just mean that, you know, I, I have been kind of harsh on him since the day I started this job. And that's because, again, from the outsiders, we aren't worried about all these little details like, oh, yes, this, this, this. We aren't spending an hour breaking down every player every day, which is what it would take to get through all of their games, like all the good things they do. Nate Landman is a good linebacker. He's a very good linebacker. Is he a great cover linebacker? No, obviously not. But as a tackler, as as a smart guy, as a leader of this defense, I mean, you need a Nate Landman. And this is something I've been kind of wanting to get off my chest for a while because I have been so low on him because, I mean, what's, what's the story of the season? Uh, maybe a little inconsistency from the office, offense, but mostly this defense keeps giving up big plays, and a lot of them come in the middle of the field. And so that's what we come back to because that's where Nate is. And I don't want to be hard on him and make it sound like I don't think he's a very talented football player because I really, really, really do. 
he has some things to learn for sure, and he has some things that he can work on, and that's true of every football player. His weaknesses just happen to line up with the weaknesses of the team, and they contribute to the weaknesses of the team. And, and that's why they get focused on a lot more than his strengths, which isn't true of other guys. Like, I feel like I speak very glowingly of LaVisca Chenault and give him the benefit, benefit of the doubt. And I know that I do that with guys, and that's because what they're doing is what's helping the team win, you know? And so that's what you focus on. Like, what is going well after a win? Because that's what you talk about. Mikhail Onu's forcing turnovers. And you know what? He's blowing coverages as well just like every other defensive back, but instead of saying nothing about him like most of these defensive backs, I mean, it's not nothing, but it's very little, I say a lot of positive things and maybe elevate him a little bit higher than I probably should. You know, there was a series tonight when uh, I could go back in the play-by-play and find it, but basically what happened is McHale's got the deep third and he's playing too deep. There's nobody who's going to get that far back on him and so they throw the ball up in front of him. It's like a 30-yard completion because he's just too far downfield. Um, and I said that. I said that to the table with a couple of your fellow listeners. Hey, you know what's pretty cool? Turning internet friends into real friends, and we need to be doing that more. Uh, back to the point. So I, I call him out and say, no, th- why? Why, why, why? And again, I'm not at this game, so I don't get that like real bird's-eye view of well, everything that's happening. I get the TV broadcast, so maybe I did miss something. I could have been wrong. But then, just a couple plays later, he gets burned for the long touchdown pass uh, because he came up a little short, got caught on a double move, and then was trying to chase the guy down as he went like toward the end zone. And he, he, got, he got burned because he was too short. Uh, not as in stature. I don't think that that's hurting him. There was that one interception. He had that great response saying, like, that doesn't matter. Um, here's, here's what happened. He, when the ball was thrown, he knew he was beat, so he turned around to see if it was thrown. He tried to track the ball to see where the ball was going when there's no reason to be turning your head at all because either you're going to get to that receiver or you're not. And if you don't, then it's either a completion or an incomplete pass, depending on whether it's a good ball. And, and, it's not going to matter at all where you are. If, uh, if, it's a, if it's a good ball or, what, or if you get there, then you can make a play on it. And you're going to want to make the play by looking at the man getting his hand between his hands anyway because that's the only way you're going to get there anyway. But instead, he turned around and he tried to track the ball and he's having his head going back instead of doing like a full-on sprint to catch him. Probably doesn't matter. And also worth noting that if that ball's way underthrown, Mikhail has his eyes back and he might be able to pick it off. You'll remember, this is a guy who forces some turnovers, and maybe that was a risk he was taking, trying to jump that double move, trying to trying to track that ball instead of saying there's a 2%, 5% chance maybe that I'm going to be able to run this guy down and make a play on it and break it up. But there's a 8, 10, I don't really know, percent chance that this ball is well underthrown, and I get to turn around and pick it off. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a gambler mentality. And we talk a lot more about the upside than the downside because I don't usually use this podcast as a platform just to call guys out for their mistakes. But he made that mistake and the way that he has made plenty of good plays. And guess what? Everybody on this defense is getting burned. I think Delrick Abrams has been a very stabilizing force, but he doesn't have the interceptions. He doesn't have the big plays because that's just kind of his game. Um, and I don't mean that to like say Mikhail Onu isn't a good safety. He's a very, very good safety. He's such a good safety, but he's made mistakes just like everybody else has. And I think that I may have been highlighting 
his highlights more than his lowlights. And in the opposite way that I do with Nate. Um, because, again, that's what comes up, is that they're completing pass in the middle of the field where he happens to be. But this has been a long segment. Hopefully you guys are interested. But when when oh, there was a little check down pass where he like runs down the guy, shows good sideline to sideline speed, speed that I don't know that we've seen from him this year, buries him, stops him from getting the first down. You know, he has that in him, and he's good at what he does. It's just that on this team, he isn't protected on third down like he was last year. They aren't getting him off the field, and so he gets exposed. And it's not because he's all of a sudden a worse linebacker. It's because he's in a different situation in a different system. He is a very talented guy. I don't know, therapeutic for me. This time, like, I am the one who needs the therapist, and it is all of you who are listening. Um... Yeah, a couple of great plays by Nate, I think, is another key takeaway. Um, He still has it. He's going to figure out how to be more consistent, I'm confident, because he really is another one, a a smart guy. Uh, Anybody else who really stood out, I think that's good. KJ Trujillo struggled, Um, didn't tackle well, didn't cover particularly well. and I, I don't think he'd been bad in the games prior to this. That had, he, had he looked young at points? Definitely. But he is not supposed to be on the field right now. And that's something that we talked about uh, with J.R. Payne, the women's basketball coach, during media day. You know, there were people on the team last year because of injuries, because it was a young team, that they had to step up and go into roles that aren't comfortable for them. It's not what they should be doing. It makes them look bad. It can hurt their confidence. It can hurt their development, all these things. And they shouldn't have had to be there, but that's just the situation you're in, and that's the case at cornerback. Um, guys like KJ Trujillo are uh, going to have to play, even though they aren't ready. And just because he's getting beat now doesn't mean he's not going to be an NFL guy in a few years. Probably not likely, just based on the odds. But everybody develops, you know, and he just isn't ready yet. If if we had seen. Oh, this might be totally wrong. But did Chidobi Awuzie, did did he play all that much as a freshman? And and if he did, did he actually look like Cheeto? I would guess probably not. But again, this is a guess because I'm new here, in case you hadn't heard. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's that for you, too. Don't be too hard on the young guys, I guess, is what I'm trying to say there. I think that that's most of the takeaways. I don't know why Aaron Maddox didn't travel with the team. That's surprising to me. Hopefully we get some more details here soon. I hope he's doing well, of course. Uh, Always a little scary to hear something like that. Again, could be injury, could be disciplinary, could be um, something happening with his family that he couldn't miss. You know, we don't need to speculate about anything here because we just don't know. Hopefully we'll figure something out soon. Darian Rakestraw picked off a pass. Did anybody really play great in that game? Pretty much just Alex Fontenot. Um, it was a it was a tough game, and there will be tough games, and that doesn't mean just like accept it. But twenty four hour rule? Are, are we still doing that? Or have we canceled the twenty four hour rule? I don't know. I don't think that applies to us because we're supposed to reflect and second guess because that's what we do. Um, I think that that's enough of my thoughts for now. We're coming up on an hour. Um, Yeah, I think that that's 
that's my initial reaction to this game. Those are my initial thoughts. As always, I want to hear yours. Uh, so much fun watching with Buffs fans. And, like, I watch games with Buffs fans. I watch games with Ryan and Allie, like Tyler Ziskin and a bunch of those guys. But but I don't know. It's, it's good getting to hear from you. So definitely leave your comments. Uh, I will read them on Monday's show. And let's keep talking about this. Talk it all out because that was painful. Um, yeah. Again, here at the Blake Street Tavern, we had a blast. Next time you should probably come with because it was a lot of fun. Um, all right. I'm going to go now. Uh, see you Monday. I think they like my Colorado Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd Do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now Why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle And we ain't playing with you You can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the last My Colorado swag in the middle